What's going on? Welcome back to the Lunchroom Cypher podcast. We're, of course, here to discuss how hip-hop can support student development in schools. My name is Dr. Ian Levy. I'm an MC, I'm a professor, and a researcher, and I'm your host for this show. Oh, man. Today's episode is so dope. I am joined by my absolutely incredible colleague, the one of the hardest working people I know, one of the most down-to-earth people I know, Kiana Spellman. Uh, she's going to introduce herself and tell you all about how dope she is. I'm just going to say, incredible school counselor, educator overall, just has gone and will continue to go above and beyond for young people and does it seamlessly and in an organic and authentic way that I appreciate, I know my, my homies appreciate, and I know her students appreciate. The only thing I'll say as context before I let Kiana just go in and, and, and tell us about everything that she's been doing is when we do hip-hop work in schools, two things are particularly important. One is we have to be thoughtful about how we're integrating hip-hop culture and not just like getting kids to rap, right? But like how are we really pulling from everything that hip-hop is in our work with students. The second piece that's very important is are we staying fresh? Are we staying innovative? What's dope about hip hop is it always has something new for us to digest. But what's also dope about hip hop is that it can, folks who identify with it can understand when something has gone out of style and, and move away from it. So as educators, we have to be able to do that too. I've talked to many school counselors and many teachers and professionals across the arena who they're like, yeah, I do hip-hop work. I was just talking to my kids about Biggie and Tupac last week. And I'm just like, yo, it's 2020. Like, why are you talking to your kids about Biggie and Tupac? And I love Biggie and Tupac. But you got to be talking about talking with your kids about things that they're digesting in this very moment. And that can create pathways for you to then talk about Biggie and Tupac probably in some ways. But we need to start where youth are. And we need to constantly be tapped into where youth are. And Kiana does this. And so I'm just going to let Kiana introduce herself. And then we'll build from there. So I'm Kiana Spellman. I am a guidance counselor at Brooklyn Prep High School in Brooklyn. Um, I'm also a doc student in the EDD program at TC Columbia. Um, yeah, you know, mentor, uh, lover of hip hop, mom, wife, all of those things. All things dope, right? Like dope. one of, truthfully, like one of the dopest school counselors that I know, and I'm super hyped to have you on here. Like, legitimately, I'm not just saying that because I hit the record button. Um, <laughs> ha so let me let me start off by um, just asking you, like, how did hip hop inform your personal development, like just as a human? I would say that um, obviously, growing up in Brooklyn, you know, you in the well, not, not to age myself, but I would say like when I was a kid, right in the 80s, um, in high school, in the early 90s, um, you know, hip hop was just everywhere. It's just part of, of just the culture, right? So I don't think that I knew that it was any different than, you know, anything else, right? Like it was, it was all type of music, music around. And so I would say when I really noticed it to be something powerful was probably when I went down to college in New Orleans at Xavier, mm. um, which is an HBCU. And down there, you had so many people coming from all different parts of, of the country, right? So there were not many New Yorkers, actually. But there were a lot of people, obviously, at the college for, uh, from New Orleans. There were a lot of people from different parts of Louisiana. There were a lot of people from, um, from Texas, from Houston from Chicago, from LA, from DC. Um, so with that, everyone bought their different styles of music, um, mm -hmm. but especially New Orleans had such a unique style of music, which was, which was called bounce, right? Um, and I think just being there and, and being one of those people that hangs with so many different people, 
right? I was cool with everybody. Um, I got to hear all the different, you know, hip hop that was happening in different cities, right? And mm. all of it was so dope. And including, of course, like repping New York really hard, but then also falling into this vibe of this Southern, you know, at the time, like in 94, which is when I started college, you know, Southern rap had really taken off. So, and, and it's and it's undeniable, like the beats and that vibe and that very chill kind of more relaxed vibe than what New York hip hop was about um, mm -hmm. was undeniable. And so it just opened my eyes, I would say, to just how different people, or should I say like how hip hop affects people in different ways, but how different mm. styles of hip hop can affect people in different ways, you know? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It was amazing, it was amazing. It was really, it was a cool experience and I think it stayed with me ever since actually. I love that. The, the nature of hip hop is so much bigger than like, you know, we're in New York and we're vibing out to it. So it, our, our perception can just be like, this is what hip hop is, right? right? But then understanding that it changes geographically in these really significant ways. I just, I remember um, going to New Orleans for the first time and hearing Lil Wayne, like, and I'm not gonna, you know, I have some problems with Wayne right now, but, I, right. but listening to Wayne, you know, whenever this was, like 10 years ago or something like mm -hmm. that. Um, and just like, I think I was at like, you know, I was just out somewhere and Wayne came on and just to see people in New Orleans vibe out to Wayne was just dramatically different yeah. than seeing people vibe out to Wayne in, in, in the city. You know, because yeah. when we hear him in New York, like it's, it's the wordplay, you know, it's, it's the lyricism because that for me, at least that's how I feel like as a New Yorker, I look at hip hop. Like I'm always like, what, you know, what does their like rhyme scheme look right, like? What are you like, saying? What kind, yeah. What are you saying? What mm -hmm. kind, what's your wordplay? Like assessing through that, which Wayne is like witty and like, you know, all, I was all about a lot of Wayne at that point from that lens, but what I what I missed out on was just like the overall aesthetic and like just the, like sonically what he did for people and to see other people light up for Wayne, I had never seen that in mm. New York ever. Yeah, um, and it was just like that was just a big moment of you know like how important it is to understand the geographical impact of hip hop on especially on on like as we pivot now on the youth that we work with right so mm -hmm. like doing stuff in new york with using hip-hop in schools is going to be different than you know in in new orleans or in baton rouge even right like right. even even within the same state like you know in a, in a different area um right in a, in a different city or, or county or whatever it is like it's gonna change just as it changes from like the bronx to brooklyn to queens like the you know Geography well, it's also interesting about the South right now. And I mean, I'm not as connected to it now, obviously, um, as I was back then. But because of Katrina, mm -hmm. right, so many people have moved out of the city, right? Mm -hmm. Like the dynamics of the city. Um, and I've only been back maybe once or twice um, post-Katrina. But many of my friends that lived in New Orleans pre-Katrina are now in like Houston or now are in Atlanta, Right. And so it's kind of like it's I, I would be interested to see what the vibe is musically actually in the city now that so many people are elsewhere. You know, so many yeah. families are elsewhere. Right. And yeah. I'm sure that they've taken those some of those roots of New Orleans um, and, and have pushed them out to, to wherever they are. I mean, you can literally hear this is one thing about New Orleans is you can hear when someone mm when you come across someone who's from New Orleans or whose people mm. are from New Orleans, it's just, it's, it's a way that they talk. It's, it's, it's this twang that they have. Um, even for me, some people will say, where are you from? And I'm like, I'm from Brooklyn. People are like, no, I, I hear something else. And I'm like, it's probably that little bit that's still left, that little bit of twang, cause you pick it up when you're down there, you mm. know? Um, which is really interesting. It's crazy that we're talking about this because yesterday I was driving mm. and I was in the car and, um, a song by UGK came on from, mm -hmm. from their album, Riding Dirty, which is, which is super old, but that's, was like one of the albums that I knew every single word to, mm. um, when I was in college and it immediately brought me back. Like, I mean, instantly, like to the people I was hanging out with, I mean, and thankfully I'm still friends with them, but like to just moments that we had, and it was only maybe like wow. a 40 second snippet of the song that, that they played, but I was blown away and I was sitting there like singing these lyrics that I was almost <laughs> embarrassed at my age to be singing but, but 
you know, I knew every word. You know, I remember when Wayne wasn't even out. I remember like when Wayne was little, like really little Wayne. Mm-hmm. You know, he and, and all the people in his camp were out before him. Yeah. You know, I remember all of that. And that it's wild that music can invoke that. And mm-hmm. and I love and this idea of like even if you leave the physical place, you go somewhere else and you carry that with you, right? Yeah. Whether it's legitimately like you're describing people leaving after Katrina to go to Houston, how do they carry that piece of New Orleans with them to inform their music or just their life and their way yeah. of being in that other place? In the same way that now you're back in New York and, you know, that song can come on on the radio and it brings you right back to that moment. It's just the power of hip hop to help us capture and almost like document. Like I always look at hip hop as like a memoir of sorts, right? Like there are songs that remind me of like very visual times. Like I don't need a picture to remind me of that. Like just play me a snippet of a track and I'll remember like exactly where I was. Absolutely. That happens for some music, but for some reason not as vividly. Like hip hop hits differently for some reason for me. Yeah, Um, I would agree. Yeah. So, I mean, why you and I came to know each other because of hip hop. Right. And like that was I remember, you know, you reaching out to me and we always joke about it, like calling my phone, like until I picked up, you know, because I like (laughs) I was not the best and missed a few phone calls. And then but then we finally, you know, kind of linked up and you wanted to learn all about this work and integrate it. And the way that you even began from my, you know, from my purview, like starting to do this work was from a very personal place, which makes sense given what you just described. Like hip hop is this huge part of your life and you wanted to figure out how to integrate it into your practice. And you know what my, I think you started from my estimation with some lyric writing stuff, but it's, it's like Mm -hmm. far transcended that. Like I've seen you do just like so much amazing work at your school. So why don't you just like tell us a little bit about how like hip hop informs what you do practically in, in your school? Yeah, I mean, I've done, um, I've done a lot with it. Exactly, you know what you're saying is it started with wanting to figure out how to use um, hip hop as a counseling tool, right? And so, albeit listening to listening to music or having the right right lyrics, whatever the case may be, I wanted to figure out a way to use it. And you were doing that. Um, and so, yes, I needed to pick your brain. And I remember you saying to me when we met, like, I really. I remember saying to you, I want to pilot this program, your program. And you're like, yeah, I really only want to, you know, want to have someone do that if they're going to be serious about it. And I was like, yeah, that's me. Like, I want to do the program. Like, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're going to do this. Um, but so, and so I'm glad that it happened. Um, and so, right, I started with with having a class um, where we analyzed a lot of lyrics, both old and new. Um, we were able to build, if you remember, the very, very small studio that was in a closet in a classroom. Um, we built it out. Right. And, uh, you remember I had ordered, I don't know, what was it like 12 panels of foam and thought yeah. something like that and thought that would be enough. <laughs> and, and you kind of looked and were like, okay, you made like a cute little diamond design or something on the wall. It's like, we'll start here, you know? Um, but we were able to do that. And I mean, the students yeah. used that small studio for like two years, you know, before we built the new one. Um, so we've had the class, um, again, where students are analyzing lyrics, where they're writing their own pieces, but pieces that are very personal to them, right? right. Either about like their experiences or about things that are happening um, socially, right? We're analyzing all of those things and sharing out. Um, we have since built a larger studio um, mm-hmm. with hundreds of pieces of foam and, uh, and lots <laughs> of like updated cool equipment, you know, and again, students will spend a lot of time in there traditionally after school, um, mm-hmm. to work on their own stuff. Um, we have hired a, a student or former student, a graduate who is now the engineer for the studio, Jair. So he runs yep. the studio students sign up and he runs it, you know, he runs it, he records them, will help them with some of their lyric writing, things of that nature. Um, and then I think that has grown into combining that with this class that I developed called race in America, which was a class that was really based on, um, the origin of racist ideas in this country. It was based actually Mm -hmm. off of the book stamped from the beginning Mm -hmm. and, um, which is an amazing book. Um, Ibram X. Kendi for those listening. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Um, and so I was able to incorporate hip hop into that through another program um, 
through BAMS, uh, which is the Brooklyn Academy of Music, they have this program called Word Sound Power. And so that's where teaching artists will come into the classroom once a week and work with the class um, on spoken word and hip hop uh, themes, right? And so whatever comes up and they'll, they'll choose uh, different topics. Like one year it was Sankofa, another year it was um, like the immigrant experience. So it just kind of depends on what, what the class wants, maybe who your, who your audience is best suited for, right? Who the program is best suited for. Um, mm. But they will incorporate like social issues with hip hop, with mm -hmm. spoken word, and students will write original pieces. They'll read, um, you know, pieces by famous artists or poets, I should say, listen to hip hop songs, um, and then they'll have a culminating event. And so I used that program in my Race in America class because I felt like they were all connected. Mm. Social mm. issues, racism, obviously, um, what students were experiencing because of all these different things, and then just utilizing hip hop as just a tool to kind of navigate through those different forums. Um, and it sounds like you had the studio to support that space. Right, D right. So did they, did they use that for their like culminating projects and um, stuff? They didn't, well, they, they used it to actually rehearse. So mm -hmm. what was interesting is a lot of the students, even though you share it in class, like our big culminating project a couple, well, this was like maybe a year or so ago, was that they were going to share in front of a big portion of the school. But a lot of them are nervous about sharing, right? And and how they're gonna sound or what their voices sound like. So they would go mm. into the studio and record themselves so they could hear themselves back and then see what that feels like. And then if they wanted to change something, if they said, well, this sounds a little boring or I need to inflect my voice here or whatever the case may be, they kind of know, right? And so it's like, getting the nerves out a bit right and then of course they could yeah. you know we they could save it we could send it to them and, and they could keep it but just giving them a, a private space right that was intimate to be able to just deal to like say their piece and deal with it hear themselves back either re-record or just you know enjoy enjoy the vibe that they're in the studio you know i that right there is is incredibly important i just i want to like underscore that because the studio here is, is a huge part of the work, but I what I, I don't think that we think about it always in the way that we're discussing it right now. And what I mean is, we, you know, so I did this study with Edmund Adjapong on studios, right? We built the studio with students, and then we just sort of had a bunch of different ways of collecting data that helped the students describe to us why they valued the studio. And a couple things came up, one of which was, the studio as just this lab and like practice space mm -hmm. where they could just be and they could talk about things with their peers to get feedback to prepare to like go out into the real world and like share their stuff later and that like that in and of itself is a humongous benefit of just having a physical studio space whether or not we want to label that counseling or whatever it might be it's it, it is literally a place for students to rehearse and work through getting prepared to share something. That, mm -hmm. that, that right there is, is amazing, just to have that kind of a, a, a space in the school. And then to use it as like a curricular support for a classroom space, so they could literally go to the studio to practice something that they're working on for their class. I mean, that right, right there is an amazing thing. And I think what's also important mm -hmm. is yeah. that, not to cut you off, I'm sorry, but that it's mm -hmm. intimate, right? Because yeah. a lot of times like, you know, hip hop, and the writing process and what you're sharing is such a, it's such a personal, oftentimes, yes. right? It's such a personal experience. You know, a lot of times, especially when we're talking about like paying attention to the lyrics and what people are saying, if you really push them hard enough, right, to take it to that level, it's a very personal, intimate thing that they're doing, yes. you know? And so to give them a space that is not this huge, you know, it's different doing it in a classroom, right? Mm -hmm which is mm -hmm. a large open space, like just mm -hmm. physically. And mm -hmm. you have, you know, eyes that are peering, your teacher walking around, whatever the case may be, versus like a studio, even if it's like a super small studio or a good size studio, like it still feels like it's your time. You know, when you rent out a studio space professionally, you're renting out your time, you know? So imagine being able to do that as a student to just go in there and just have a space in a school building that is just only for you to like yeah. be in your feelings and express that. And you don't yeah. have to have a whole bunch of ears. Like you just have headphones. You have the engineer, right? And headphones, and only you two get to hear it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's a really powerful. Really, yeah. 
And and isn't that counseling? Like I'm thinking this whole time. It's like, all right, I pay an hourly rate to book a studio session. Well, I pay an hourly rate to see my counselor, right? If I'm seeing, like, if mm-hmm. we think about counseling outside of schools, right. and then who's in the office with me or who's in the studio with me is the engineer or in this case the counselor, right? Who's able to hear what it is that I'm saying, help me work through this sort of vulnerable content with the goal of helping me go out into the real world and own that content. That's in the studio spaces, but that's also counseling, right? Like Absolutely. undeniably the goal of counseling is to talk through things in session so you can apply them to your life outside of session. And I would say that the same exact goal is is uh, held by an artist who's going to a studio. Um, and so there's so much just around having a studio space as a counseling office mm-hmm. that simultaneously is authentic for students, but also allows for the counselor to do the work that they need to do with students to support their development. Um, yeah, I mean, so it's, it's, it's so multifaceted and I love it. And then I also love, I just wanted to also highlight this piece you said with, you know, your former student is now running the space after school as an engineer. And that's just like an insider tip for New Yorkers who are doing this work. And I, I presume across states too, though we know New York a little bit better, you can literally have students graduate, get their license as a vendor. Mm-hmm. And then if you're a DOE school, you can hire your students back to keep working in this space, right. um, which is like, how dope is that, right? Uh, not closing the door on students once they leave the school, which is oftentimes what we do in schools, but instead saying, let me figure out a way to continue to have alumni intimately involved in the process in our building, supporting current students in, you know, developing towards their goals as well. And so I think it's just like, that's such a dope example. Yeah. And also making sure that they are getting paid helps them also to further feel valued, right? Like it's one thing saying, um, Hey, come back and volunteer time, which is great. You know, if they're willing to do that, that's wonderful, but it gives them uh, such a greater, sense of appreciation and value, I would say, and incentive, of course, because Mm -hmm. now they're taking it seriously because it's a job, you know, and you can, I mean, depending on your budget or whatever the case may be, you can set how much you are able to pay them, you know, our, my, our engineer took it seriously, you know, we, Mm -hmm. he checked in all the time, do I have, and students would sign up, so it's like, we knew if we needed him for that day, you know, and Students will come and ask, is such and such coming today? Is the engineer coming today? You know, I've had other former students come back and say, do you have room to have another engineer? Or the days that he's not doing it, can I get down and do it? Or whatever the case may be. So it's a great opportunity, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. It becomes so much more than the initial intent, which is like, let's make sure students can write some rhymes. It becomes now this space for career development in these different ways. Right. Like not only is the student working at the school, literally developing skills as an engineer, but he's learning how to like set his own rates and his own Mm -hmm. prices, follow up about scheduling. He's also, I would dare I say it, probably developing counseling skills as well. Right. Learning Mm -hmm. what it's like to be a counselor because he's now working and supporting younger students in working through their sort of emotional concerns live in time in the studio. So he's also developing in those ways. So the the pipelines for just like success across different career avenues in ways that feel authentic and real to the students are just vast. Yeah, um, agreed. Definitely. And so I did want to ask a little bit. So you, you went through the lyric writing piece, the Race in America course, which is super powerful. And you've also done some work integrating like other elements. So you had some really cool like dance work going, right? And I know you've had students like perform at different like hip hop ed events that we've mm-hmm. done. So can you talk us through a little bit of that dance piece? Sure. So we so we've had a dance team at the school for quite some time. Uh, the way that it had always been structured was that students, um, it was only girls that were always on the team, they would you know, create, create a dance team. They were the captains, they created the dances, they would perform at the talent shows. And not that there was necessarily anything wrong with that, um, but when I came on board to kind of being with them after school and just watching the way some things went that I didn't care for, you know, it was very um, selective sometimes towards like who they wanted to select, right? And, you know, I remember them I always remember them always looking forward to um, like the audition process and cutting people, you know? So it kind of felt like this very elitist attitude, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. 
and I wanted, and then obviously also with the dances, like I wanted, if we were going to do it for them to step it up. Right. So to, mm -hmm. to push it to be more. And I thought it would be cool to have guys on the team. You know, I mean, again, if we're thinking hip hop mm -hmm. and we're rolling it back, I mean, hip hop started when, it, as it is to dance, right. With B-boys. That was, mm -hmm. that was men, that was guy or not men, as you know, it was, that was young guys, right. Break dancing and things like that. And not to say that women or girls didn't, but it started for the most part from, from mm -hmm. my memory, right. Most of the time with guys and then girls would get into it. So dance has always been from my memory, a male and a female thing that, that people could take part in, right. Like, yeah. especially even in new Orleans, everybody danced, mm -hmm. right. Like and I remember seeing guys dancing, like I was like, wait, what is, what is this? Like what, what twerking is now, right? It wasn't called twerking then, but like that was the style. It was called P-popping, right? Like that was the style yeah. of, of dance down there. So I've always known men to, to dance, you know? Um, so I wanted guys to be part of the dance team and I wanted it to be um, just a greater experience and to be taken a little bit more serious. So I thought about who I knew, like I was trying to figure out how to get professional choreographers um, mm -hmm. into the school and it not be student led. Right. So that again, it was a bit more professional. Um, so in just thinking about who do I know, I reached out to just different people that I knew of. I reached out to someone, um, in the BAM program because, you know, BAM is all about the arts. Mm -hmm. Um, I reached out to some friends and just like kept making phone calls and finally, um, got in touch with a friend of mine that I went to high school with actually AL and he, put me in contact with, um, this phenomenal dancer to Jimenez and uh, she was down to do it. And then she also brought in, uh, you know, she knew that I wanted to have male dancers as well. So she brought in another guy, um, Dr. U. And we were hoping that like he would bring in, you know, he would be able to see, the kids would be able to see him dancing and see how dope that he is. Mm -hmm. And then that would be a way for us to, you know, to get guys in. And it happens, you know, it's funny because it's like, I put it out there and just, you know, I was persistent as you know, I can be, mm -hmm. um, but it happened. So we have the, both of them as choreographers. This is our, I think third year with them, um, that we've had them on board and we got guys, you know, on the first couple of auditions, we were able to bring in guys and it was only a handful, you know, I think we had maybe five or six guys, but it was hands down of all the years that we've done dance, I would say the best experience, like having them be a part of it. It became such a family, you know, the dance team. And so it might've been, you know, like seven or eight girls and five or six guys or whatever the case may be. But I mean, the vibe was just, it was phenomenal, you know, and we mm -hmm. had that last year as well, where we had guys on the team even more, you know, and it's been really, really nice. This year has been a bit different, um, mm -hmm. which I'm sure we can talk about, but it was beautiful to have these very, very well-respected um, choreographers. And I mean, they're high stakes choreographers. They've worked with like Kendrick Lamar and Beyonce and Janet and you name it, they've worked with them. Like they are the real deal, you know? Um, and to have them ha explain to the students what it means to commit to something, what it means to work hard at something, mm -hmm. what it means to be, um, an artist truly like this is what they do. They don't have other jobs. They are mm -hmm. dancers, mm -hmm. you know, by that, that's their, that's it. That's what they do. Yeah. That's what they do. Um, it's really, really interesting to see that happen. And even some of mm -hmm. the students that are on the team still, like they want to also be professional dancers, you know? Mm -hmm. And so watching them kind of groom them to know about the industry, to know what to expect, to know how hard they have to push themselves. You know, it's been, it's been awesome, awesome to watch. And the music that the choreographers have selected, um, the stories that they tell in their performances have all been so close to home with the students. And mm -hmm. they've, they've encompassed it all, right? They've encompassed social justice. They went back and did um, like the history of hip hop and the history of dance and like picked different songs throughout, you know, from like the nineties to 2000 to 2005, you know, like they did like a whole, um, uh, what's, what's what I'm looking for, like timeline of it mm. through dance. It's just, it's been a great, great experience. And now, this is just like kind of anecdotal, this question, but like, what, what would you say, how has engaging in the dance program like impacted students? How do you think like they've changed or developed or what have they gotten mm -hmm. out of 
participating in that program? It's giving them another outlet. It's like with the studio, right? Or with the hip hop class, right? It's uh, for me as a counselor, my goal has always been to give them as many outlets Mm. as possible because not everyone is going to not everyone wants to write raps they might listen to to rap music but that might not be their thing right not everyone wants to write spoken word pieces or poetry pieces um some of them might love and appreciate all those things but maybe dance is their thing Mm. and maybe some are dancers some can write poetry some can i mean and i have those students that can do it all but for me it's about delivering them something where whatever it is that you need you have an avenue to go to. If yeah. you if you are private and don't want to share out and don't want to get on a stage, you have the studio. And that mm. studio can be used for, for, for making rhymes or it can be used for poetry. Or it yep. can be used as a space to just sit and write and not mm-hmm. want to share any of it, but it's a private mm-hmm. space, right? Maybe you don't mm-hmm. want to do it in my office. Mm-hmm. Maybe you want to do it there, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe your freedom is on stage. Then be on stage. It's For me, it's about what can I give you Right, that I also love too, because I, I don't yeah. normally go into things that I don't have a passion for. Now, granted, I love to dance. I can't dance the way that they dance. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do. Yeah, I'm very yeah, comfortable yeah, yeah. with my few little two steps, and that's it. <laughs> but to watch them do it, to to be able to sit there and watch them from beginning to feeling very uncomfortable and intimidated, because now they have these super uber professional choreographers. You know that in their world, in the dance world, they're famous in right. And to watch them be uncomfortable and push themselves and want to quit and get an attitude and go through the emotions and then do a show and be, I remember one of my students at the end of uh, our first show with, with Tia and Drew, I said, how do you feel? And she said, girl, I feel like Beyonce. That was like, and she was being <laughs> honest, you know, she felt that yeah. amazing, that much of a queen, you know, um, even with the guys, they didn't think that they could do it, you know? And so all yeah. of those things, or to listen to themselves back in the studio that they laid down a track and they're like, yo, that, and the engineer messed with it. And they're like, yo, that's fire. Did you hear that? Mm-hmm. You know, all of, or the, for them to hand me over something, a spoken word piece that is just super emotional. You've heard, you know, certain students in science mm-hmm. genius write mm-hmm. their spoken word pieces and mm-hmm. standing ovations and tears and this, that, and third. All of mm-hmm. those things are different platforms that we can give them so that everyone has a voice, so that everyone has just a space where they're comfortable. Yeah. That's it's an outlet. Goal. It's validating. It allows us to then like, yeah, like like you said, to allow students to feel like they are amazing because they are, mm-hmm. right? And they often don't feel that way, right? right? And uh, and that's just because of so many structures in our world. But I and that love, they have something at their yeah. school, you yeah. know, where they that they don't have to go to some outside program. Yeah, you know that it's in their school that they can the, the bell rings at the end of the day. They can take a thirty minute break, but then they can get into something. They can stay in their safe space. Mm-hmm. not have to travel and then just have you know it's it's like decompressing from the day and if and if it's in school like just the the ability to legitimately just see it as a program in school is humongous because as a young person at 14 15 years old like you are validating your the rest of your life and everything you want to become in relation to what you see in school because school is supposed to be this thing that if I do it, it's going to get me to where I need to go. Mm-hmm. So if hip hop's not there, then you're just naturally going to come to the conclusion that hip hop is not supposed to support my development, that these other things that are offered in my school are more important than. And so this, even in the act of just bringing it in to the school, it, it, it just functions at the base level as a representation of like, this is important. And the right. things that you know and that you might have heard about outside of school are important inside of school and mm-hmm. you can use them. And and I think that that's like, that cannot be understated. That's that's huge. And you're doing so much of that, you know, in your school and just the, the vast amount of outlets, you know, and I'm thinking back to where we started the conversation. Like th- your school sounds like a representation of what you personally experienced when you went to New Orleans. You mm-hmm. saw a million different sides of something that you only knew from your New York lens. And you were like, wow, this is so much bigger. There's so much I can learn and there's so much I can engage in and with. And that's very much like the culture that you're a humongous part of creating at your school. It's just these vast opportunities for students to tap in in whatever ways feel authentic or real for them. And you want it also, you want their experience to be fun. 
You know, it's like, I look at my son who is six and a half, right? And he loves going to school. I mean, even Mm -hmm. now amidst, even during this time amidst COVID, right? Mm -hmm. Like he only goes two days a week, but those two days he looks forward to it. And the Mm -hmm. other two days that he's working remotely, he even looks forward to, he's like, did the class start? Like he still looks forward. He has a good time. He wants to see Mm -hmm. his classmates, you know, and I feel like as, as the years go on, especially when students get to high school, depending on what their, their experience has been, right? It gets very much watered down and it is often no longer fun for yeah. them. You know, it's like, what do they really, they, they look forward to seeing their friends, but what do they look forward to about learning and being engaged aside from just their friends? You know, and if yeah. you don't give them anything that speaks directly to them, that is directly for them, like I tell them all the time, I'm not getting any, I mean, I get joy from it, but it is not, I don't get anything yeah. from being on, the, I'm not on the dance team. I run the dance team, right? I'm not in the studio. I, I don't lay bars. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's just for them. The hip hop class is for them. All these things, race in America was for them because they kept saying, we're not getting the real deal. We're not being taught real, real history. You know, we're being taught these watered down versions like, okay, you want to talk about it? Let's give you all a platform to talk about it and deal with it. Right. And and have someone, i.e. me or whomever, like if someone was covering for me, who is responsible enough to know how to handle all the emotions that come with that. Right. But they have to have something that they enjoy. You know, I remember when we first opened the little closet studio, the student, it, it could be seven at night. And I'd mm-hmm. be like, you guys have to go home. <laughs> like it's over. You know what I mean? Like yep. I, you yep. can be there until six. You yep. can't be there until seven. It, it's, yep. it's it. You know, like they yep. have to, same with dance. It's hard for them, but they enjoy being pushed because they love, they love dance. They love being able to choose the songs that they're going to dance to. They love being able to make up choreography, you know what I mean? And work with someone who can, who can teach them. They love being put in the position of being teachers right? Same thing with, with writing rhymes. They mm-hmm. love when they have, you know, it's a couple of them and they're trying to write and, and figure out ideas and like, no, do it this way or I'll do the hook for the, you know, they, they love doing that. They're enjoying that process of school. And if, if that helps them get through the day or gives them something to look forward to or has their brain working throughout the day, because they know either during lunch or after school, they get to go engage in this. I mean, then everyone is winning. They love it because it's theirs, right? Mm-hmm. I think you that that you hit the nail on the head. They love it because they asked for it and it was created. And now, because of that outlet, they can continue to tell their own stories in their own ways, figure out their life. And they want to come to school because they know that those things are there, right? They they, they might not otherwise potentially, um, but they're there and they're engaging with it in these real ways. And I just, it's so so dope. And I think actually a perfect pivot to my favorite segment of these podcasts, which is getting to look at these eight bars that we came here prepared with. So I asked you to come through with some eight bars. I'm going to load them up right now. Why don't you tell us about what they are, where they're from as I pull these up? Okay. So I chose, um, why would I stop by big Sean? And, uh, do you want me to tell you why I chose it first or do you want to play it first? You can tell us why you chose it first and then just briefly and then I'll play it. Okay. Um, so I think uh, both personally, professionally, um, watching everything that's kind of happening with, with COVID and, and, and speaking to my students and, and seeing where they are mentally and emotionally, um, everybody, I think we're often finding ourselves like in this slump you know, and it's been a tough, it's been a tough year. Mm. And I think my biggest message to my students um, and also in my own quiet times to myself is regardless of whatever obstacles come across our way, because it's going to happen, we have to persevere, right? Like we cannot stop. Life still goes on. The days are still going regardless of COVID and not COVID, quarantine, not quarantine. You know what I mean? Like we still have work to do. We still have to get stuff done. For me, um, whether it be that I just had my daughter, um, that I have a six-year-old, that COVID is happening, I still have a degree to finish, mm-hmm. right? I, I don't mm-hmm. have time technically, or I should say I don't want the time technically to stop, mm-hmm. to pause, maybe to take a breath for, for a little bit of self-care, but it's not necessary to stop what it is that I'm trying to do. I think I was put here um, and given the gifts that you know I have been given 
to, to make an impact. And so with that, I want to make sure that I continue to push myself. I want to make sure that I continue to push my students to remind them that, you know, when you have a job to do, there's no stopping, you know, we Mm -hmm. really, really, really have to push. And I've watched, um, many of them do that. You Mm -hmm. know, um, this is one of the songs that we used, um, in our dance, our culminating kind of dance video for, um, the first part of the semester. And, it was only four of them, but they pushed through. It went from 16 to four, mm-hmm. but it was still those four, yeah. you know, and um, it's, it's just a testament to what it means to continue to just be resilient and to just I go. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. And that's the power of hip hop. Let's, let's tap in real quick to why would okay. I stop by Big Sean? We'll just play the first eight bars here. Time left on the clock. When it's your time, give them something to watch. I picked out the locks till I buy up the block, and I know I'm a gift, but I think out the box, and they want me to stop. But why would I stop? Huh? I am unstoppable. Hold up, why would I stop? Bitch, why would I stop? Chill, chill. I don't jump, I dive in it. Hold up, hold up, hold up. This the reason I'm alive. Ooh, such a good one such a such a dope one so take us through some of those lyrics right so like you know i could read them but why don't we just like kind of break down specifically what those lyrics mean yeah um so you know the first one critical ain't no time left on the clock um when it's your time give them something to watch right like that is kind of what i was speaking to right Mm -hmm. it's time like i always feel like the time is now people can always say oh you can do Mm -hmm. it later But if you have this idea of like, there's no more time left on the Mm -hmm. clock, like just get it done. You know, I feel like Mm -hmm. it is my time. You know, I I feel that internally I'm getting to that. I'm getting that antsy Mm -hmm. itch kind of of like, okay, I'm I'm ready Mm -hmm. to do bigger things. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I feel like it's my time. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, watch me. (laughs) As my friend and I always say, Mm -hmm. like, watch my footwork. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I picked all the locks outside by the block and I know I'm a gift, um, but I think out of the box. Right. Like. there's always this fine line I say between um, not necessarily gloating, but knowing your, knowing your gifts, right. Knowing what you kind of bring to the table, knowing your capabilities um, and, and then being, you know, humble, humble with it. Right. But I'm gifted. I would like to say what I do. And you come at it from an authentic place. Right. And I think that's, that's, that's that fine line is, is it real or not? Right. Like, Cause you, you can try to just like insert yourself spaces and try to look like, you know, you're the best in a space. But like, if you're not doing that from an authentic, right. If if you come at something authentically and you're just amazing at it, then it's clear that you're amazing, but that you're not trying to like shut other people up or something or coming at it with some negative energy You're coming at this from like, this is who I am and, and, and what I have to offer. Right. And also, you know, what I try to do is, I don't try to do anything alone. You know, I really, really, really try to utilize my resources and my resources are my people, are my networks, you know, and I ask, I mean, as you know, I ask a lot of questions, you know, I want to be damn near perfect at whatever it is that I do. I want to make sure that I'm doing it correct, you know, and doing the best by my students and the best by my people. So, you know, in, in this gift, I think my gift is also that I know who to kind of pull in and who to, to, to get wisdom Mm -hmm. from. You know, I ask you questions all the time. I call you about things all the time. You know, um, I think that's kind of like buying up the block, yeah, right? Like that's yeah, my block. My people yeah. are my block in a sense, right? Yeah. Um, okay, let's see. And they want me to stop, but why would I stop, right? I mean, that yeah. that kind of goes mm-hmm. without saying. I mean, even, it's funny, even my mom, you know, who was, who was one of my mm-hmm. biggest cheerleaders, of course, right? Biggest supporter. But she says all the time, like, why don't you take a break? why are you doing this? Like you, you're, you're spreading yourself too thin. Why don't you take one thing at a time? And it's like, I don't have time for that. I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to do big things here. It's a hustle. It's so, a hustle. And like people have to understand that. And it's hard. It's hard for people that are not, I mean, I don't want to be mean here, but people who are not yeah. hustlers to see that. Right. And I'm not trying to say your mom's not a hustler, but what I'm trying to say is like yeah. people that can't see it, don't understand it. And, uh, you know, and it's up to us to just, you know, we're pushing because we want to do this, not because we're trying to like, 
Yeah. For any other reason. It's a juggle. Yeah. It's a juggle, you know, and, uh, and all things are important to me. All things are important, you know? Um, okay. I am unstoppable. Why would I stop? Well, there you go. Um, and, uh, I don't jump, I dive in it. And so I think that is really cool because I feel like jumping is like when you're jumping versus diving, you know, is a confidence level, you know, or a, um, confidence and being less intentioned, right? Like when you're diving, you're being very focused, you're very intentioned on intentional, excuse me, on what you're doing, you know, on like your form, on how you're doing it you know, on not belly flopping, right? Like jumping is like, you're just, you're winging it. Um, and, and I've done both, you know what I mean? I've definitely yeah. have winged it. And I think now as I'm getting older and now that I've been doing this for, for you know, I've been counseling, I think is this is my, I don't know, my 10th year maybe. Um, but in working with like the hip hop ed program, this is, I don't know, maybe my sixth year or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like I know more so I can be a bit more focused um, and intentional about how I'm doing things and laying out programs. Um, and then this is the reason I'm alive, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, this is the work, you know, this is what I want to do and, and more, and I don't even know still what else is to come, but this is it. But it's going to be amazing. And it's because you dove in, right? Like if you jump into this, like if you just like, you know, you're dancing around this work, you think it's cool. Like, let me try to do some stuff with students and get them to rap. And then they start doing it. If you open the door for students, they're going through and they're going Mm -hmm. all the way. So you better be ready to change like your whole school culture um, if you bring this in. And so you got to dive in. You have to be in the work with depth and with nuance and and with with deep, deep understanding and willingness to learn from Mm -hmm. youth and build with youth. And and obviously that's what you've done at the school and and what we hope that other people who kind of pick this work up can can do. All right, so we're going to close out with another one of my favorite segments, uh, which is some practical skills and tools, right? For folks that are listening right now, if they want to hit the ground running tomorrow with their young people, what can they take from from what we've learned today? So I would always say um, the first thing that's really important is to get student voice. So what is it that students want to do. So if you're creating a program or if you already have a program going on, right, it's utilizing your student voice. Um, I also always focus on what's happening in the world socially. Um, I think that mm-hmm. whether or not they are talking about it, um, you know, with their friends or whatever the case may be, most things are very close to their heart, right? So they have feelings about what is happening socially. And I think that when you use that as, as a platform, it gives them a place to start and kind of a, uh, a direct path, right? But then still letting them have their voice. Um, so I know for us, um, we have two programs that are running right now. So we uh, have the BAM Brooklyn Reads program or uh, BAM's uh, Word Sound Power program. And with that, the students um, have been working with their creative writing teacher, and everything has been virtual. Um, The teacher has come on um, for her classes and worked with them with um, spoken word and hip hop pieces. Mm -hmm. Their culminating event is they're using a program called a Padlet. And uh, I was explaining to Ian, it looks like a Pinterest page almost, right? And Mm -hmm. so students have uploaded their spoken word pieces um, they've done, so just the audio, they've done TikToks, um, with their spoken word pieces, um, or their rap pieces. Some are shy, so they've just put up the lyrics to, to their stuff, but you just scroll through it. And that is, that's the project. And it is all the students that have been working on it. We are sending it out to the school community. Um, the students can send it out to their family and friends and, and there is your project. Right. And that's something that was done, um, by the teacher and the students. So that program is called the Padlet. Um, I know for dance, we put together a culminating video again for the first semester. And that also was based off of um, Mm. just everything that they had experienced. So the choreographers talked to the students about what their feelings were during the quarantine when this first happened back in March, right? And and what did they feel? What were they going through? What what had their experience Mm -hmm. been? Um, all of these months. And so it was different experiences like anxiety and depression and boredom, um, excitement that they wouldn't be in school, you know, all of these different things. Um, And so we made a video 
like a, they, they, we had different segments. So they were freestyling to a spoken word piece. Um, the choreographers selected certain songs. Um, and then we collect, you know, the, the students had to record themselves, right? Like doing these dances that they had learned mm. over Zoom um, for, you know, the past couple of months. And then we sent all of that to the choreographers. Um, and then we hired an outside editor to put those pieces together edit the video and then we put out about a five minute video and then sent that off to um, our school community. I posted it obviously, you know, on my social media, the students posted it on theirs. So those are just d two different ways um, that even virtually yeah. you can make things happen, right? We can't yeah. do a talent show, but we can send off these videos yeah. to the school. It's amazing. It, it, like you said, it's virtual, so it can happen at home. It also capitalizes on strengths that students have. Like, I don't know the first thing about making the TikTok, but my students do. So, like, yep. why won't, you know, it'd be silly not to figure out ways to integrate it. And so I mm -hmm. love those. I think, like, Padlet and then this sort of, like, online video uh, music video or like dance video creation are these two really, really powerful pathways to incorporate a variety of elements um, into student creations and to promote mm -hmm. student voice. So I think those yeah. are awesome and I hope that people, people take them. And what I always ask, I think in closing out um, from our listeners is if you try any of these practices, I, I, I can, I think comfortably speak for both myself and Kiana here and say, if you email us and you can email me at uh, the lunchroom cipher at gmail.com. If you, if you hit me up and just like, tell me about how it went, if you tried anything, any of these out, um, well, definitely we'd love to see it and, and just, and just hear about any of, you know, these practices and if, if they've helped you at all elevate your, your work with youth. And so Kiana, as we just like wrap up here, if people want to reach out to you and mm -hmm. touch base with you, like how can they connect? Um, they can do it. You're more than welcome to email me, qspellman at gmail.com. Um, you can reach me on social media, on IG. I'm Miss MS underscore Q22. Um, feel free to DM me. You can see some of the work that we've done um, with the students, um, with the studio, you know, all of these programs. My my feed is is either my kids or <laughs> or my or my other kids at school, right? Um, but it's 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 always the work. And uh yeah, I'm definitely open to brainstorming or lending ideas or trying to help um fine-tune other people's ideas. But I think it's all about, you know, persistence and being creative and working with your students to see what they want. Um, and seeing how it's doable, you know, and leading, not leading with, well, that's not possible, but leading with, okay, well, let's see. Let's see how it is possible, yep. you know, and just being flexible. I love it. Thank you so much for your time today and for your wisdom. Um, and I'm sure we'll keep building, but thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you for having me.